everyone, this is Larry from WSTrades.com. This podcast is about trading stocks and stock options. Any information in these podcasts should not be construed as advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. Hey everyone, it's Larry and James from WSTrades.com doing our weekly update podcast. How are you, James? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing pretty good. All right. You want to start this off and uh, let everyone know how your week went? Yeah. So I didn't really have much closing. So pretty much just some opening trades. Um, So I got into a May position on IWM. Uh, I think that's the Russell 2000 ETF. I also got into a position on ICLN. Played them a few times. Um, and then I also got into GLD for the May monthly contracts. I sold an iron condor there. And then I also got into FXI, which I believe is the China large cap ETF. So with the short week, I was only able to get into four of my normal trades. And then I also, I think, went long on FSR. I think you were... Uh, telling me that it was back down at 16 and I was like, Oh, that sounds like a good price. Cause last time I went long on them, I think they were down around 16 and then they went up to like 30 or something insane, uh, before I got out. So yeah, I was able to actually get into like five trades last week. And I think the FSR is a real long-term one. I think it was like January, 2023. So that thing's almost got like two years to expiration. So I don't know if they have some nutty, uh, move again in one day where they pop off like five or 10 bucks, then I might just dump it again and then wait for them to come back to earth, um, take profit and then maybe look to get back in when they kind of sell off. But, um, so yeah, those were my opening trades. Um, and then just kind of an update on everything else that I have open because I do have a lot of, uh, April monthly stuff right now. And I'm also really starting to build out the maze. So I guess I can kind of give an update on my April positions um, since those will be expiring here in a couple weeks, I guess. Yeah, in about two weeks, these will all be expiring. Um, I've got ARKK, short put is 109. So I'm looking pretty good there. Um, I've got positions open on EEM, EFA, EWZ. FXI, I have one on for May there, uh, GLD, ICLN, IWM, Jets, KRE, MJ, the Qs, SPY, TLT. I uh, got UNGs looking pretty good. That one is hanging around 10, and it's an iron butterfly. And my short call and my short put are right at 10, so that thing's hanging around nicely. That'd be pretty sweet if they just kind of hung out around 10. I could get a pretty nice profit out of that. Um, I've also got positions on for April for USO. Um, and then a bunch of X's, XLE, XLF, XLI, XLRE, XLU, XLV, and XRT. And none of these things are in the money. So two weeks out from expiration, these things are looking really good. So as far as April's going right now, things are looking pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah, I just had uh, two closing plays 
uh, this week, which was APPS. Uh, that was a put spread that I rolled from last week and ended up going uh, max profit on that. And what was the other closing? Oh, uh, LVS, uh, Las Vegas Sands. That was another put spread that I ended up going max profit on as well. Um, everything else I got into two new trades, which is an FSR uh, put spread. And I originally was just going to go sell the 15 put. And then I was looking at it and I was like, well, crap, I can say, save you know a whole lot of premium right now and just buy the 13 put for protection. And like all along, I'm thinking, you know, I was going to sell the 15 put anyway. So if it goes in the money, you know, I'll be happy buying uh, FSR at 15 bucks. So, uh, yeah, I ended up doing like a, a two wide put spread on them instead of uh, taking up $1,500 in capital. Now it's only taking up two. And, you know, I'm, you know, if I take the, I believe I got paid 30 bucks to put that on. So if I take that, you know, the premium, then cool. If it goes, you know, if FSR hits 15 and I get the shares at 15, I'm happy with that because I, I see a lot of upside to them like you. Um. Another opening trade, I got into a call spread on G-O-L-D. Uh, I sold the uh, 21, 21.50 call spread on them. Uh, they finished a little higher than I wanted to see them finish on Thursday, but uh, they don't mo move a whole lot. So, you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable with that strike. Um, and the only other thing I had, oh, yeah, that was another closing trade was SOS. So last week I took the shares from my long call um, of SOS at 550, and you know it sucks they bled out, but you know I'm happy with them. I think they're gonna start making some big moves. I've heard a lot of good news from them, so I sold a uh, ah, crap. It's not even on here anymore. I believe it was the six dollar. Uh, call doing a covered call on them and uh, obviously they didn't finish it at six dollars so uh, I collected I believe ten dollars premium on that and yeah that's all I had going on okay nice yeah sounds like you uh, had a couple good closing trades there again yeah and the SOS just kind of killed my P&L because they just died so hard I think they were down like 14% in one day after they Offered up, uh, what the hell was it, like $250 million in shares or something at 5%, which was like, or uh, $5, which was like 11% below what they were trading at. Mm. So that's what just crushed the price. So hopefully they'll, they'll make it back up soon. Yeah, that'll do it. I guess, yeah, if you want to kind of hang in there and just sell covered calls against it, eventually it'll... uh work out yeah the premium's still super high on the calls running covered calls so you know i'm not worried about this position i just you know gonna have to hold it a little longer than i wanted to right right yeah i've had those positions too where i kind of got into something and then things just didn't quite go the way i needed them to um whether i was doing like a weekly or a monthly and then uh, I had to hang in there a little longer and then, yeah, eventually the thing, 
Um, if it was something that was selling off, uh, eventually the thing kind of recovered and then popped off pretty hard and ended up working out great. So yeah, that's a good thing about actually having the shares. Sometimes you could run the covered call against it for several weeks or several months. I mean, whatever you got to do to turn it into a profitable play. Yeah. I think we both ended up doing that on uh space when they were super volatile and uh, we just were able to sell, you know, calls on the shares that we had and ended up turning out, you know, just fine. Yeah. I remember for a while there, they were selling off pretty good and then they popped off really hard and ended up looking pretty good, man. I've not played them in a while. <laughs> yeah. Me either. I used to play them was- all the time and then, yeah, I've not touched those guys for a while. <laughs> Well, it's kind of like a crapshoot with them, kind of like a, if you're playing GameStop today, it's like, okay, which way is this going to go today? Because it's either going to be up or down 10%. Yeah, is it going to go to 500 or go down to 50 today? That's, that's kind of the question with GameStop, I guess. Mm. Pretty crazy. All right, so um, you said you wanted to discuss Iron Condors today? Yeah, so it's a position that I use a ton. I mean, it's like my go-to play. And I did record a video recently uh, for the YouTube channel and I kind of threw it up there, but I thought we could kind of talk about it a little bit here uh, for this podcast. And yeah, for me, like I love to sell the iron condor because I like to give uh, stocks or ETFs a range to work within because there's just so much up and down going on in the market. Like we were talking about uh, NQ, I think the other day and some other tickers and we're just like, man, this stuff is down and then it's up and then it's down. And if you're able to get in uh, and, you know, really pay close attention and devote the time to kind of looking at these swings in the market, there's definitely a lot of money to be made. Um, When something sells off pretty good, you can go long and then it kind of recovers and then, you know, you can sell your position and kind of try to swing trade these moves. Um, But for me, a lot of the time, I kind of like to not be so attentive and really always keeping an eye on this stuff. So that's where the iron condor really comes in because it's, you know, just a put spread and a call spread combined. So it's like a four leg strategy. And if you go pretty far from the money on both sides, so like on the call side, you stay pretty far away from the money. And then on the put side, you stay pretty far away from the money. You can give these things a really good range to trade within. So, I mean, that's what I'm doing is usually shorting uh, an iron condor. And sometimes on the stocks, like, they can make really big moves and I know it's happened to me a lot. I think even games talking about GameStop, I remember I had some iron condors on them before they went to 500 and yeah, those didn't quite work out. But um, I know more on like the ETFs, uh, they just don't make those big moves. Like you'll never, I mean, NQ is pretty volatile, but you're never going to see NQ make the move that like percentage wise that GameStop made. I mean, it, NQ gets pretty wild, but it's nothing like what a stock will do. So that's definitely one of my go-tos is like selling iron condors and definitely on the ETFs because they just don't have as big, as big of swings. So I can bring up like an example here. Cause I sold some iron condors. Um, 
this past week, I kind of mentioned uh, IWM. I think that may have been my last one. So let me just pull that up really quick here and go over the legs of that trade. So yeah, this past week, like on IWM, I sold the 194 put and I bought the 193 put. So it was just one wide on the put side. And then on the call side, I sold the 241 and bought the 242. So also one wide on the call side. So on either side, I'm one wide. So my max risk really on the trade is going to be a hundred bucks minus the 25 in credit that I collected. I sold this thing for 25. So, I mean, if you look at IWM and kind of how they've been trading and you look at the 194 put way down there and then the 241 call way up there, you can kind of see this, some of these things uh, provide you a really great range. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about that strategy and, how you don't always have to know where the market is going with the iron condor. That's the cool thing about it. If you're going to sell it, especially with something that's pretty volatile, sometimes you can get these massive ranges and the probabilities are really in your favor. If you're going to be out there selling iron condors on like high implied volatility stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you have any comments on the strategy or anything you think about it, but, um, yeah, I think it's a pretty awesome way to just, you don't need to know if it's going up. You don't need to know if it's going down. As long as it stays within a range, uh, you can make out with money. Yeah, the thing I like about them, and I don't do them very often, but when I do, I basically do uh, the same way you do, where you're playing the super high probability legs, where, you know, like you said, you don't have to even know where it's going. You can look at it and say, okay, well, I need to do an adjustment here. But for the most part, when you're, you know, running like 10, 15 deltas, it's, you know, unless something moves really hard, especially on ETFs, you know, there's nothing to do. And what I like about Iron Condors is even if you wanted to play it directionally, you collect more premium for the same amount of risk. So, you know, you're doing one wides, you're collecting premium on the calls and the puts. So if you want to play a little more directionally, then you could, you know, play the 10 delta put spread and the 30 delta call spread and, you know, hope that it dies off because, you know, you can collect more premium, you know, the higher the delta, the closer the money you are, but you're still only risking that, you know, if you're doing one wide, that $100. So, you know, that's the cool thing about it. Like I said, I don't do it very often. So, you know, you definitely be the one to talk about, um, iron condors but yeah it's just that's the main thing i like about it is the collecting twice the premium basically for the same amount of risk yeah and that's a good point because i've definitely had that in the past where it's kind of bit me and sometimes i've you know followed my instinct and like i remember uh recently within the past month or two we had some pretty big sell-offs on nq and the NASDAQ just had this massive dump. I remember NQ was down around like 12.2 at one point recently. And after that huge of a sell-off, I mean, we were talking about it and we're like, all right, this isn't going to last forever. Like when this thing rebounds, it's going to rebound and pop off hard. And there's been some times where things have sold off really hard like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to play the put side even here. 
like I'm going to go really close to the money or closer to the money than I normally would because I know this sell-off is not going to go on forever. Like sometimes on stocks, they make massive moves or have massive sell-offs and then they just kind of stay down there for a while. But on the indexes, I, they seem to tend to be a little more cyclical because it's like a combination typically of a, like a bunch of companies and stuff when you look at something like the NASDAQ. So, I mean... I've had that opportunity where I probably should have did like you were saying, like maybe there had been a, a sell-off for a week or two in a row on one of the indexes. And I kind of knew the call side, if I go out and do my normal 15 delta on the call side, I'm probably going to get blown up because whenever the buyers step in, this thing's going to have a massive rebound and it's going to shoot off to the call side. But on the put side, like you're saying, instead of doing a 15 delta, you could sell maybe a 30 delta on the short or something and grab more premium. So I've definitely had that scenario where like you can be directional, like you're saying. You don't always have to go out and be like, all right, I'm going to sell a 15 delta on the call side and I'm going to sell a 15 delta on the put side. I can kind of pick a direction here. And um, yeah, that is a pretty cool way you can do it. A lot of the times I'm always just kind of like, not really picking a direction, but there has been times where I'm, where I'm looking like, all right, I think this thing's going to go up. It's been selling off for too long. So I'm going to go a little closer to the money on the put side, but then stay pretty far away from the money on the call side, because I'm expecting this, you know, this thing to go up in price. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The only thing that I don't like, and that's why I don't do a whole lot of iron condors, which to be honest with you, I should, you know, throw up a couple every now and then, but it, there's like no better feel. Like if you run and if you sell an iron condor, you're basically waiting until expiration to collect the premium. And it's, you know, if it finishes in the, uh, in your range, then cool. You made max profit, but I love it when I put on a trade and I'm like, dude, this thing's going to blast off. And so I'll sell a put spread and then two days later, this thing just shot off so hard. These puts aren't worth jack. And then I can close it out, you know, a week or two early. It's, and you know, with iron condors, you really can't do that. You're kind of just waiting until expiration. Yeah. You've got to definitely, uh, you've got to wait a decent amount of time, I guess, because yeah, once the price moves away from your put spread, like you're saying, it's worthless. But then in the iron condor, all of a sudden your calls get expensive because the thing popped off. So yeah, I totally know what you mean. But then again, that's, you know, I've done that before on iron condors. If they, you know, a stock does run one way or the other, the untested or the, uh, yeah, the untested side becomes almost worthless. You can close that out for nothing and then let the market come back down and then, you know, buy your calls back or whatever. So, I mean, I guess it works both ways, but it's just, I just, I love that feeling when you put on a spread and it moves the way you were anticipating and you can close it out hella early for some reason. That just, that's my, my, uh, great moment, uh, when I'm trading. Yeah. Because like you're saying with the iron condor, it might pop off and then you can close out your put spread, but then you need things to kind of come back down before you can close out the call side. So uh, yeah, definitely seen that uh, type of behavior before. And sometimes like 
and I've done it too. I don't do it a lot, but sometimes I have had something pop off like that. And then I do close out the put spread and then I'm just kind of hanging out and waiting for the call spread to come down. And if it, and if it just kind of hangs out and it's still far enough away from the calls, I might just write it to expiration. But if things are cyclical and it dies off, then yeah, you can go ahead and close out the call spread and, you know, you can make out pretty good on the, on the trade. So, um, yeah, sometimes I'll be kind of active on, on them, you know, because we've talked about, we've talked about it before and we've got, I think videos on the YouTube channel talking about how to make adjustments and stuff on different trades. And, um, yeah, there's been times where like, I've been really active on managing my iron condors. I remember when I was like playing Tesla, I was selling like 10 wides on them and they were so volatile and so nutty that I did not let them sit like, and you probably remember there was a time where like I would take Tesla and if it went one direction too hard, I would just put it into a box spread and be done with it because I could pretty much break even on the trade. So I guess that's kind of a, another cool thing about the iron condor strategy is if you're willing to, if you're willing to manage it and really keep an eye on it, you can kind of make adjustments in a way if, if the ticker is volatile enough and the premium is good enough, sometimes you can make adjustments in a way on the iron condor that can allow you to break even or take a very small loss. Because like on Tesla, when I was playing them, I was selling 10 wides and I'd usually grab about 500 in premium to sell the iron condor. So I'm looking at like trying to make 500, but I'm risking 500 and if they moved hard one way or the other, I could move up the untested side and turn it into like an iron butterfly or a box and kind of get out with almost no loss or a break even. Sometimes I got out with a very small profit. So I guess that could be another uh, cool thing about the iron condor. If you know, you're looking to trade that strategy, if you want to be really active in managing it, you can do the adjustments in some real cool ways that might get you out at a break even. And sometimes get you out at a really small profit when the trade went like super hard against you. But I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's options in general. That's what I know we discussed and people are probably sick of hearing about it, but it's the one reason I love doing options is the ways you can mitigate your losses. You know, if something moves against you super hard, you can still just, you know, like if you're just holding, shares or uh your short shares it's got to move one way or the other you're either losing money or you're making money but with options just all the crazy adjustments you can do to stuff you know you can like you've done before what did you do that one time that you actually came out with was that google that you came up with a profit yeah a small profit even though it moved against you like crazy a 10 wide iron condor on him and i think i grabbed around five something and then they moved pretty hard one day uh, up towards my calls and I moved my puts put side up and closer to the money and collected some more credit. And then I think the next day they made another hard move and the short call was either just out of the money or a little bit in the money. Like both calls weren't in the money yet, but I was like, man, this thing's making crazy moves. I just, I don't trust that it's going to, cool off the way it's acting. So 
I moved the puts up again. And I think I matched them up with my calls and kind of created that box spread. And then when I looked at all the premium I collected, I think I had collected like a thousand and thirty bucks or something. So even though the trade went completely against me and did totally what I did not want it to do, I made thirty bucks on the trade. And I'm like, this is pretty awesome. Like kind of a cool, kind of a cool <laughs> thing about the iron condor. Cause yeah, sometimes when trades go super hard against you, you don't have any way of you know, breaking even or sometimes making out with small profit. So yeah, I thought that was kind of, kind of an awesome thing that happened. Yeah. Just got to replicate it. Yeah, for sure. With Tesla, it seemed like when that was happening to me, like I could break even or get out with like maybe a $20 loss, which still isn't bad when you're on the hook for a $500 risk and then it moves super hard against you. And then you lose like 20 bucks. That's still, you know, I felt pretty good about those trades. Um, so yeah, just kind of another cool thing, I guess, about the, the iron condor strategy. Yeah. I don't know if you'd be able to box spread your way out of losses anymore. I think that was when the VIX was like 80, which was awesome for premium. If you're, if you were selling options, my <laughs> God, you're getting paid. Right. You know, they're mini crash. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think I want to test that out anymore either. <laughs> Google. And I think I was playing Amazon a lot too, selling 10 wides on them. And yeah, those things just uh, a little too crazy. God, I remember, I don't remember. It was after the COVID crash and I was making stupid choices. I remember playing Tesla day of expiration options and I was like, shit, this is like guaranteed. Uh, I think it was like $100 for the spread I was selling day of expiration. And I barely made it out. And it was like a 10 wide <laughs> I sold on them. So I could have just completely crushed uh, $1,000 out of my freaking account doing a day of expiration 10 wide on Tesla. What an idiot. I, I did something like that on Amazon once. It worked out for me, but they were just, I think they were making massive moves like all week and they were up to like, oh, I don't even know what it was at the time, 3,500, I don't know, something stupid. And they were just up, 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 up. And I was just looking at it and it was Friday and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. There's no way, there's no way in hell they keep going higher. So I think I sold a 10 wide on them and it was day of expiration, right? So it only paid like a hundred bucks and I had to go kind of close to the money and I was right. They just kind of hung out and died off, but man, that would have sucked if I was wrong and they just kept going up. But uh, yeah, I did that on Amazon once. Yeah, that. Oh man, I texted you during the uh, GameStop thing, and that's why I'm glad I stopped being so like I'm super stingy with my money. So I remember when GameStop started making their run, and I texted you. I was like, "Dude, I'm gonna sell uh, this." Uh, like, I think I was gonna do like a five wide on GameStop at two hundred dollars. <laughs> I was like, "There's no way they're gonna hit two hundred dollars." My God, I would have. <laughs> Just completely should have just burned that money. <laughs> yeah, they got me because they moved. They were around like 20-something, I want to say. And I sold like a 30. Uh, luckily, it was just a one wide. But I sold like a 30, 31. 
and they blew right through it. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go up and sell a 3839 because this isn't going to continue, right? And then, of course, they went to like 500 <laughs> shortly after that. So I learned my lesson after two. I was like, yeah, well, they're doing stupid stuff. So I think I'm done. I think I'm done selling <laughs> call spreads on these guys, at least that expire next week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I got to give it to the Wall Street bet guys. They did exactly why I played GameStop. I didn't, I was playing them way earlier than, you know, when they did the short squeeze, but that's exactly why I had hundreds of shares of them. I think it's when they were trading at either 12 or 13, because I looked at, I just Googled most Mm -hmm. shorted stocks looking for stuff that, you know, was a potential squeeze. And, they were at like 125% mm-hmm. shorted. It's like, the, okay, they've shorted more shares than are available. What the hell is going on? So I just picked up a bunch of shares and I was going to bag hold. And then I ended up making, I don't know, a few hundred bucks on the shares. But, you know, could have made tens of thousands of dollars off of my shares had I held on for this. Yeah, you, uh, you had a beat on like the most historic short squeeze of all time. <laughs> <laughs> You pick the right ticker, but yeah, it's like, how how in the world do you know that something like that's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, and I'm definitely not going over to Wall Street Bets. <laughs> right. All right, man. Did you have anything else you want to um, go over? I think I'll just go cover really quick the trades that I want to get on next week. I don't know if we went over that yet. Um so I played Jets. I guess it's like a U.S. Global Jets ETF. I didn't really know one of those existed, but I played them once, and it's working out great. So I'm going to put on a May position on them. Uh, also, KRE, that one's working out great for April. Uh, that's just like a regional banking ETF. So I'm probably going to put a May, some May contracts on for that one. And then I'm also going to play uh, this coming week probably MJ the Qs and spy. So I'm going to try to get on May positions for those tickers. Um, I don't know if you had anything in particular you were looking at for this coming week. Um, there was one that you might actually be interested in playing as well. I have to look it up. I don't remember the exact ticker, but it's the, um, crap. It's either win or wins. It's a casino Mm -hmm. ETF. And it seems like a lot of people are moving away from uh, things like Walmart, um, Costco, the kind of Corona plays where, you know, they were the big stores that were open and stuff. And there a lot of people looks like they're moving into like these opening play mm-hmm. trades of stuff that's been shut down forever oh, okay. and uh, stuff starting up. Uh, so instead of like I you know, I ended up winning on that trade on Las Vegas Sands, but it got super mm-hmm. close. I was thinking about running casino ETF instead. Okay, gotcha. And then another one, um, mm-hmm. Dave and Buster's yeah. play. They look like, you know, something. I think they're going to start, you know, making a decent move. They're at kind of, I think they might be at oh, their all time highs. Yeah. But I, <laughs> yeah, I had them like at twelve at twelve bucks a share. I had some of them. Oh my goodness! And I didn't hold them. Yeah, 
Well, you're talking to the guy that owned hundreds of shares of NIO at three dollars. So, <laughs> yeah, there was a bunch of stuff, and some stuff I made on made out on really well. Play is just something I did not keep, but I remember right after the Corona crash, and I think things had stabilized for like two weeks. I was like, "Oh man, this actually looks like the bottom." I went long on a bunch of stuff like American Airlines, Play. Um, I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff that the price was just so cheap. Oh, MPC, MPLX, there's a lot of stuff. And I was just like, man, I'm going long on this stuff because there's no way this stuff isn't going up. And yeah, I was thinking about play and I was like, man, these guys are down around 10 or 12 and their high is around like 50 or 60. Um, Oh, I guess their all-time high way back when was like 73. But yeah, they're pretty... I mean, they're definitely above their high from uh, before the corona crash for sure. So yeah, that would have been a nice one to hold on to. But <laughs> oh well. Yeah, the only thing that worries me now is if I'm looking at all these charts, it just seems like everything is overpriced mm -hmm. right now. Like for where we're at, like, I don't, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, the market never makes sense. And I stopped trying to make <laughs> sense of it, but it's just like, I'm worried about things like play where they're almost at their all time high yet that I don't even know what their debt <laughs> it's probably not, like. I mean, it's probably God's not sakes. looking very good. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, they're almost their all time high. So, you know. Everyone keep yeah, buying, I, I just pulled up the chart really quick to just kind of look at it. And yeah, they're starting to, I don't know, that last candle on Thursday, I guess it was, is kind of nasty looking. And a few days before that, there's a massive wick sticking out. So I don't know if they're starting to see a little bit of kind of rejection and maybe they're going to cool off a little bit. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We'll see. When they hit freaking 500 on Yeah, I mean, if that Friday. ticker's tradable on uh, Robinhood, who knows? Fight <laughs> <laughs> up, bros. I'm right. going long. <laughs> All right, man. I guess that's it because I don't have any website news. I'm still working on that freaking uh, uh, that oh, yeah. secret for swim. And I feel like I've almost got it. It's very close, but it's still not working exactly how I gotcha. want it. So, uh, yeah, everyone subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, check out the website because I will definitely let you guys know exactly when I get this thing figured out. So I'm going to be stoked. Cool. Yeah, I remember you had mentioned that. So, yeah, that'll be sweet. All right, man. I guess All time right, to man. sign off. I'll catch you later. Bye.